Welcome to Tinto Talks, the hub of all things perinatal. My name's Octavia and I will be talking about all things pregnancy related and beyond. We'll be covering specialist topics from experts in the field and collect a spectrum of real life stories from parents who've been there and done that. Our aim is to offer unbiased, evidence-based information, but also shed light on the joys and challenges of parenthood to support each unique journey. There really is something here for everyone. Finally, if there's a topic that you want us to cover, let us know. But in the meantime, sit back, relax, and prepare to feel supported, inspired, and informed. Hi everyone. Right, just trying to work out how to do this. I'm in view request. Here we go. Go live with Michelle. Yes. Exciting stuff. Is it going to work? No. Oh, yes. <laughs> Love it. Oh my God. It's literally just like way beyond me. <laughs> how are you doing, babe? Yeah, not too bad. Thank you so much for joining me tonight. I know you've had a bit of a day um, and it is the end of the day where we're all just feeling a little bit knackered and we just want to sit down and have a glass of wine, but <laughs> here we are. <laughs> we, can, we can do that. We can have yeah. a right? <laughs> Definitely. I think it might be good to calm my nerves. So. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet. So thank you for joining me for Tinto's first ever takeover, which is quite exciting. Um, I suppose we should start by uh, just, if you can just introduce yourself and let us know who you are, what you do and why you're here. Yeah, so I'm Michelle. I'm a busy mum. I've got a toddler who absolutely keeps me on my toes. I am a women's health and pelvic health specialist. So I really specialise in um, treating women with uh, pre and postnatal um, pelvic health, lots of sports and athletes. And um, I treat men as well, but my passion mm. really lies with the female pelvis. Um, so I'm a physiotherapist and Pilates instructor. And we met through a bump and baby event, didn't we? Yeah, bump and boo. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, we met like, God, it must be. I was actually pregnant when we met, weren't we? <laughs> I was pregnant too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Love it. So yeah, a couple of years ago now. So. Yeah, amazing. Cool, thanks. So um, just a bit of background about me. I'm also a physio. Um, I um, worked in the NHS for the last 10 years, working in MSK, um, orthopaedics and trauma, um, and then um, trained in Pilates about three years ago. And have just since I've had children, I've got two uh, little toddlers. Uh, yeah, they are both toddlers really now. Um, and trained to do Pilates and just got such a passion in women's health um you know just advising women and educating them and getting them also just rehabbing them like it's just such an amazing caseload to get to you know go with them through their journey from when they first find out they're pregnant right the way through to having the baby and then rehabbing them basically and getting them back to you know the best best possible form we can so yeah that's kind of my background now and yeah it's all very exciting Sweet, so the plan for today is to talk about safe exercise and pregnancy, um, and also then just touch a little bit on kind of returning to sport once we've had, once you've had your baby. Um, so I guess um, 
And also, if anybody following or watching today just wants has any questions, I've got a couple of questions that people have uh, messaged in. But if any have got any, I will keep my eye on the comments um, and hopefully try and catch them. Maybe we should have a point when I'll say, right, if anyone's got any questions, because otherwise it's going to be really hard to concentrate and and. That's all right. While, while talk. I'm talking, um, you can look, and whilst you're talking, I can That's... have a quick roll as well. So don't worry. So yeah, guys, please um, let us know if you're watching and um, and what your background is, and if it, you know if you've got a little to one what if you've got any questions or anything like that because this is a this is a free discussion isn't it we just yeah. we're here to answer questions and help people so absolutely absolutely well so i suppose we should start with when you find out that you just had you're pregnant which is very exciting um what is your advice to somebody who's just found out they're pregnant and you know thinking about either continuing with exercise or starting exercise so generally, when you're in your early stages of pregnancy, it absolutely depends on how you feel. Um, normally, if you're feeling quite well in yourself, you just continue as normal. But what we tend to find is that people in the first trimester can actually feel quite awful, yeah. like, like tired, fatigued, um, and perhaps they're, um, they're feeling sick and things like that, which means that, that they tend to feel less inclined to do exercise and that's absolutely fine as well completely listen to your body it may be that your energy is really low and you're you're just not recovering as quickly so as a general rule my, my advice would be continue doing stuff as you would normally do unless you're advised otherwise or unless you don't feel well enough to do it absolutely. And, and it's completely individual um, listen to your own body but you know if you are a marathon runner keep going and there's no reason for you to stop i.e like medical reason mm. carry on being a marathon runner if however you have never run in your life <laughs> pregnancy is not the time to start yeah absolutely <laughs> and, and vice versa with weightlifting or anything you know it, it's not the time to start something new <laughs> but unless there's a medical reason or just energy wise you're not feeling up to it there's no reason not to do it if you're yeah. used to doing it either would you would you agree yeah 100 percent. like i found well first of all a lot of people don't know they're pregnant for like the first you know six to eight weeks of pregnancy anyway uh, or I didn't anyway with mine and then also I found like with my first pregnancy I was um I felt amazing and I was like so energized all the way through and then with the second one I felt horrific for the first four months and I didn't do anything so definitely agree with um just listening to your body um and also yeah that's always the advice that I give all of my clients and and you know every kind of you know, um, advice that you read is just don't take up something new, you know, like just do the things that your body is used to doing and um, and just keep going with it. And then the only time when you, you really start to think about kind of avoiding stuff is once you hit that third trimester, uh, sorry, um, past the first trimester and you start to have a little bit of a bump, that's when you kind of need to start thinking about kind of stopping even, I mean, like in the first trimester, you can literally continue if you played rugby, you could potentially continue if that's what you normally do. And it's only once you start to get a bump and that you know the you're going into that second trimester you want to start protecting um the baby and the bump because obviously your the pelvis isn't protecting it anymore it's kind of much yeah. more on show um, yeah so so when you're thinking like um about the baby I've got my pelvis. oh hello <laughs> she's come prepared <laughs> um, yeah but when, when you are thinking like so in the first trimester everything's protected in the shell of it and then yeah. as soon as you start getting a bump or in that second trimester it's literally growing over the top yeah and so you just the cushioning you're just a bit more mindful of it I mean yeah. your body's incredible it's incredible about adapting it's incredible about protecting itself yeah but yeah then we wouldn't avoid we'd probably avoid you know kicks into the stomach and yeah. <laughs> the impact and that sort of stuff but uh, yeah I think it's 
a, it's a, it's really amazing how much our body adapts. The only thing I would suggest, you know, we say not starting anything new, but I would suggest potentially looking at pregnancy specific classes that maybe you haven't thought of before yeah so perhaps um if you've never done pilates before um i always sort of suggest that that pilates is a is a good adaptation way of doing normal movements well Mm. and then whatever your exercises that you normally do we learn pilates principles so that you can get the most out of exercise so if you're a ballet dancer for example fabulous we do some pilates and be the you know best yeah. If you're a rugby player, same same again. If you are a runner, same again. You know, we're going to do these exercises to make sure you're as fit and as strong as you can be, and doing them in as best form as you can be. Yeah. With then taking it into the to the exercise yeah. you're doing. So, if you are pregnant and you've never done pregnant, you've never done Pilates before. See if you can find somebody that teaches specific mm. pregnancy Pilates because we will help you to move well whilst during pregnancy yeah. and hopefully it will help with other aches and pains and stuff and I started um, pregnancy yoga and clearly I've never done pregnant I've done some yoga before but I've never done pregnancy yoga before and um, and actually I don't think there's anything wrong with starting classes or starting something that's new to you if it is designed for pregnancy yeah absolutely but, you know if it's not designed for pregnancy then maybe only do it if you've done it before I just think it's always nice, you know, the good, I mean, first of all, it's nice to do it with somebody who's, um, you know, that's their specialist field because you're going to be seeing them regularly. So you'll probably have lots of questions as your body changes and you can just have that, you know, professional that you can touch base with every week and be like, I've got this feeling or should I be doing that? Or is it okay to keep doing this? And I think also the principles of sport and exercise still apply when you're pregnant. So you should be kind of doing that kind of cross training in the sense of like, if you like running in the early stages, it's still fine to do, you know, or you like, you weight training whatever but then you with the pilates and the yoga start side of things you're really focusing on control and posture and getting that kind of maintaining that control over your body where you know as your posture is changing and and body's changing so much it's just like reconnecting to those muscles and just getting them to kind of just what you know like everything from like the pelvic floor to the stomach muscles that are being stretched like all the time it's just getting them to do what they're supposed to do and remind them that they are supposed to be active even if they're not in the usual positions that they're supposed to be and I think the other thing I was going to say was that's probably worth kind of considering as well is that from um we always talk about relaxing um but it's you know there's other hormones that have an impact on um the joints of the body but um the relaxing peaks at 12 weeks which is actually really early on in our pregnancy so um in terms of things like um i mean it doesn't kind of make the joints unstable or specifically lax at that point but it's just kind of being aware that you know when you're going in to do things like a stretch you should be kind of just working with the range that you have rather than pushing through into kind of like trying to increase range um and just be a little bit more mindful about you know your balance and and put, pushing your body into maybe something that might you know unbalance you because you might struggle a bit more yeah we've had a question from soul sisters fitness oh. asking about heart rate and i think that's such a good question because mm. the reason oh, that you baby. are told yeah. to um think about your your heart rate and why you would monitor your heart rate during pregnancy is um is that obviously it does put more strain on your heart and and you're taking blood away from potentially away from the fetus like if you're really really pumped up but 
your umbilical cord is incredible and it still you know it knows that the fetus is a you know a vital thing to feed so it mm. will still keep supplying that to the to the baby but that's one of the reasons why you're sort of told to be careful about pumping the heart rate too much yeah. um, but also it's, it's also to do with your temperature so when you're pregnant you you um tend to be more prone to getting a lot hotter and then being have, having more difficulty at regulating your temperature so if you that so when it comes to really high intensity exercises then you may need to modify it a little bit you can still do a hit session but mm. you may not be able to put in a hundred percent like you did before you know you might need to take it down a little notch what what we tend to suggest is it is really individual and it depends on your health the health of you the health of the baby your pre-level of fitness yeah. and your post-level of fitness but um you know so top athletes tend to be able to push their bodies that little bit further mm -hmm. but what i would suggest is probably if whatever whatever range you've got if, if 100 for you is here just work at 80 mm. you know don't just you know just bear that in mind because yeah. you're you don't want to, to raise your heart rate too much and get too hot and then not be able to regulate it yeah. as well they say you should be able to hold a conversation so she should never get to that point where you're kind of like really panting for air and like you know yeah. you know like sometimes when you train in a session and you're literally about to be sick and you've got that blood taste in your mouth that's probably a bit too far <laughs> yeah yeah and, and to be honest I don't ever really work that hard anyway. <laughs> I pretty much hold a conversation through anything. Yeah. Like, it's because you're running the class, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true, that's true. But no, I, um, I often get told off by my trainers and stuff, Michelle, you're, you're still talking, you're not working hard enough, yeah. you're still talking. I'm like, oh, damn it. I thought we were here yeah. to have a chat. That's why you have to pick a trainer that you get on with, otherwise there's yeah. just no fun in it. <laughs> and I think, I, and also I'm, I'm used to doing a lot of endurance training for myself, so I've always mm. like, been told that if I'm if I'm when I'm doing like Ironman training and stuff this is a long time ago now I do endurance training to run around for a toddler but yeah. when I have been sort of told you know um, to do endurance training it's always like trying to work within that heart range range where you can keep a conversation so yeah. for me that's really natural but yes if you're somebody that pushes yourself 100 yeah. percent and you get to the point where you can't hold a conversation you're literally panting you're splinting your ribs by holding onto your legs to get that air in that's probably a bit much yeah. yeah take it take it down a notch keep the conversation going keep the air going fine and then as we kind of go through pregnancy so we talked a bit about the early stages as you start to get further through pregnancy you're kind of getting into your late second trimester and then third trimester what other things that you should be kind of thinking about is there anything well i mean one of the questions that was asked let me read it out uh was like at what point um should we stop or at what point can you continue doing like body pump classes, weightlifting, medium high rep exercises? So is there a point where you, um, you know, have to kind of think about just easing off those things or are there any kind of, yeah. I mean, when it comes to body weight classes, like physically using your body, then like, like body like, pump, a body pump. So using weights, I mean, it's, it's very again you just you slowly start to reduce the weight down you you slow the reps down so that you're not going quite so fast quite so hard you know and and you you work within your limits but really ends if you have complications for example like a low line placenta and stuff you wouldn't want to be doing deep squat squats and loaded squats if you have got any risks in your pregnancy then obviously yeah. we would we would avoid those um, some of those activities but assuming that it's all a fairly um, 
a fairly regular pregnancy, then you can, within moderation, continue with these things. And some people yeah. right up until birth. Yeah. But what I would say is be mindful of, of pelvic girdle pain because, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> you know, one keeping yourself nice and strong through pelvic girdle pain is, is really important but there's lots of different reasons why you can get pelvic girdle pain and some of it can actually be like an overactivity of certain muscles because mm-hmm. they're compensating for other muscles and, yeah. and basically it's like, a, it's like the it's like the torsion isn't it yeah. so i get a lot of women that have um actually pelvic girdle pain because they've maybe relaxed their their, their stomach is um is getting larger and they have their sort of um, pelvis is therefore tilting forwards they're arching their back Mm -hmm. they start to then because of those natural pregnancy postural changes if they're not engaging and drawing in and and like imagine your bump you're trying to hug your baby in towards you you're switching off your glutes and your abdominals which means that then your adductors and your pelvic floor has to like grip and work harder to to stabilize you and then this can then give you um like your pelvis can be quite high like sense increased sensitivity Mm. during that time yeah so what i would say with when you're doing your exercises is why i really sort of reinforce the sort of pilates based pregnancy pilates based postural exercises because then you learn about your body like you were saying earlier you learn about how Mm. to then stabilize correct your posture so that then you are engaging the correct muscles and then by all means carry on doing your body pump and things like that 100% and again you should have I think if you are doing like weight training even if you've always done weight training my sister weight trained until she was 38 weeks pregnant like literally it was quite a terrifying not a terrifying actually looked absolutely incredible but in the gym like people would be like whoa like you are literally about to drop but she did it all the way through safely with you know the right advice um but what you were also just saying about the pelvic girdle just to explain to anybody who's watching the pelvis is made up of three bones and they're it's technically um they're technically immobile joints but they're held together hold up your little pelvis um with um ligaments there we go um and you can see the split down the middle which is your symphysis pubis and then you've got two around the back which is your um sacroiliac joints and they are like they've got really tight bands of ligaments all the way across them but your glutes are basically um, holding in the pelvis nice and tightly together with what we call force closure um, and then you've got your tummy at the front the pelvic floor at the bottom and the, the transverse abdominus that wraps around and just gives a really nice bit of fusion around that bone and even though when we talk about the, the relaxing and the ligaments the, you know the, the, it's not kind of doing this however once you switch off all those muscles the tummy the bum um, and your hip flexors get tight the, as um Michelle said the 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 support to that like technically immobile joint that is slightly movable um is gone and then if you do something so when I was pregnant with number two I did something really stupid and I was um in a training session and I had an egg and spoon race and I was only about 14 weeks pregnant but I basically just pressed off really hard and just that little push was enough to cause the shear through the pelvis and then from that moment on I had really bad pelvic girdle pain all the way through my pregnancy so you need to understand about form and you need to understand about using your breath and good posture and all these different things that's going to allow you to work as hard as you want to or as as used to um, safely through your pregnancy so it is you can do hard stuff and you know you see these athletes as you say like you know doing crazy runs and doing weightlifting and this that and the other but it's just you've got to understand your body and you've got to make sure you're doing it safely 
Yeah, and uh, I did actually have a recent talk about pelvic girdle pain and, and how, you know, obviously as physios, we, we like to focus a lot on the anatomy and the like physiology as to what, how things work and move, but our, our pain receptors are, are actually like but responsive to for lots of things and if our stress levels and our anxiety about pelvic girdle pain or perhaps about um, the, the fear of the labor and the childbirth and what's that going to cause or, or worried you're going to wet yourself or, yeah. or anything like you know you you may find that as a result of that you're you're gripping more because you're just just you're a little bit like mm. like the if particularly if it's a first time pregnancy or if you had a uh, a bad experience the first time through labor or anything like that then it can be you can naturally kind of like if you're anxious or nervous, don't you like you kind of cross your legs yeah. or you kind of like you, you tighten everything up as well. So just by doing this is why I love things like you know hypnobirthing techniques. So you don't have to be going through labour to, to do them, mm. but it's the relaxation, the practice, the breath work to really get your muscles to to let go and relax yeah. as well. Because this constant state of yeah. being tense and like worried and you know mm. can actually cause. It, 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 more like, problems yeah anxiety pain mm. in itself mm. you know if you imagine it was a bicycle if you were gripping and holding it up like that the whole time yeah. because you know it, it gets tired yeah and it gets it gets aching it gets painful you need to be able to release it through the whole range relax it and then bring it back up again yeah um and so it's it's kind of there's there's lots of things to consider and if you if you are somebody that's experiencing pelvic girdle pain, then I highly recommend um, getting some advice on it and seeing yeah. a pelvic pelvic floor physio yeah. so that you can really appreciate what it is that's being your trigger as yeah. to why you're getting it. And I totally, I think you're, I think it's absolutely such an important point to make. If you get girdle, oh my god, if you get pelvic girdle pain, you need to be getting advice immediately. So go to your GP, talk to your midwife. But if they can't refer you to somebody quickly, I would go privately. It's a point when I would definitely pay because the longer you leave it, the harder it gets. Like the more pain kicks in, you know, you start to be able. It's really exactly. And I think like what you were talking about, like the anxiety and all that sort of stuff. Like pain is a very emotional thing. Like it's not just about like a true source. They don't necessarily even have to have an injury to feel pain you can act it's a very emotional psychosocial biopsychosocial it's everything it's physiology it's emotional it's environmental you know it's you know things that have happened to you in your past like you said so you know you need to get on top of it straight away and at the beginning it might be something that is um you know, musculoskeletal, but then it can evolve into something much more complex that's much harder to get on top of and to unpick. And I think um, there's so much you can do, even just from the advice of things like understanding how to protect your pelvis or how to stop that shearing going through the pelvis. So for me, once I did that little, you know, silly um, egg and spoon race that ruined the rest of my pregnancy, I then basically still was able to train all the way through, but it meant that I could only squat, so no more lunges. I could, you know, I'd have to really think about keeping pillows between my knees when I slept um you know when I got dressed I'd always sit down um you know um getting in and out of a car I'd have to do it like a lady you know sitting down first putting one leg in and then the other rather than just kind of lunging in and just being much more mindful about my movement and also really focusing on stretching out my hip flexors getting my glutes to be nice and strong and and um, again like you were talking about the breathing I think 
first of all, with the breathing, it is like one of my favorite exercises for antenatal and postnatal because it gets that, you know, everyone thinks, well, you can't do tummy exercises when you're pregnant, but it's not true. There is so much that you can do to keep that transverse abdominus working properly. And it's not just the transverse. As I said, we've got all four of those muscles, the pelvic floor, the diaphragm, the transverse, and your, your back muscles working together as your core. And, um, by getting taking those nice big deep breaths and they're active breaths. so as you breathe out you're activating that tva but you're also getting the diaphragm to work right the way through its range which then helps you um you know take a nice breaths but it's also a really important strength muscle and then from the pelvic point uh, pelvic floor point of view um again like what you said you know we always talk about exercises to keep it strong but actually the relaxing of it is also just as important yeah and i think sometimes people feel like there's there's no hope like a lot of the time people get advice and they say well you know if you've got pelvic floor like pelvic girdle pain and stuff like don't worry it will go after pregnancy mm. well you know sometimes it, you you can get rid of it during pregnancy it's not you're not doomed you know you don't have to you don't have to suffer with pain throughout your whole pregnancy and it, i get a lot of people that that maybe previously pregnancy they've got it and therefore they're fearful of getting it again and they're more likely to get it again because they're fearful because of all the other reasons yeah and and then they've come and seen me i've had a lady that came and see me on her fourth pregnancy she had the pelvic girdle pain she thought she was doomed because she was sort of going into these like patterns of behavior of when I'm in pain I do this but actually it was making it worse and I educated and explained it to her and, and looked at her as an individual and gave her advice we got rid of the pain and then she was like oh my god do you mean that I could have gone through my other pregnancies without yeah. this yeah I mean everybody's individual I don't want to make promises but yes <laughs> no, yes absolutely and also the other thing to think about is that after pregnancy yeah depends on the reason why you got it Mm. as to the whether it will just disappear or not and it's really important if we can really help you before labor you know when you're in that discomfort then hopefully we can one help you during labor like to, by giving you exercise and advice to do obviously it depends on the labor but you know if we can help in any way with that but then also postnatally we've got that first bit of advice it's going to be that you're going to get as fit and strong as possible as you can mm. postnatal yeah. even in those six weeks you know we do That's say that you, you wait um after after labor for your postnatal checkup from the gp before you see your pelvic health physio unless there's a reason you've been preferred otherwise or to um or before you start any exercise classes and that's mainly because of the the period of time that we need some soft tissue just basic soft tissue to heal and that you'll find that you're doing a lot of movements and exercise anyway by just moving around with the baby yeah. um, and, and for infection reasons but actually if you've got the education beforehand you will find that you can then like apply those principles even yes. from day one like literally from day one we've um we just had a good question here which is um any thoughts on kinesio tape and does it actually work so i think um 100 um strangely i don't know how it does work because it's kind of really weird because it doesn't really do anything it's literally just stuck to you and it's really stretchy so it doesn't feel like it's doing anything but it's just it gives you quite a lot of feedback which is basically what your body wants is that remembrance of like oh hello i'm a muscle i should be working um, it can be really good for um, uh, round ligament pain. Um, and um, personally, if I was, if I, if somebody had pelvic girdle pain, I would be giving them either a belt or tubey grip um, or potentially crotches, or you know, if they need it. Um, but um, I haven't used. Kind, I guess you could use the kinesio taping on the back to kind of support the back muscles and kind of just again and the glutes, just kind of trying to get them to be active. What do you, what do you think about it? 
So um, when I assess somebody, there's normally two sort of reasons as to why you, like two anatomical reasons why you may get pelvic vernal pain. So one of it may be that your um, pelvic floor is working really hard to stabilise because your glutes and your TVA, your stomach, is not working. Yeah. And then, so so when you sort of look at the research behind having belts and, and things like that, it is really, um, it's not very well evidenced. And the reason for that, in my opinion, is because one result could be it, it makes it worse and another result could be it makes it better and the yeah. reason for this is because I use it as a diagnostic tool yeah. if by applying pressure it's making it worse it tends to suggest that the reason why you're getting your pain is because this is hyper hypersensitive right. and therefore by cushion, pushing and pressing in it you're making it worse and therefore doing more relaxation exercises, the breathing, the massage, the calming of the central nervous system, yeah. you know, all of that sort of stuff is probably going to be more effective. If when you put the belt on or the tape or whatever, it makes it feel better, it tends to suggest that that perhaps your pelvis is, is um, really crying out to be helped and to be stabilized yeah. um, and that maybe actually your glutes aren't firing properly your abdominal like your core muscles aren't firing properly your pelvic floor may be over firing your ductus the inner thighs may be over firing so you're getting like really sensitive here mm. but by putting that compression through your sacrum and through through your pelvis means that then your pelvic floor and and those adductors perhaps get that little bit of moment of breathing oh i can yeah i can i can just relax like i don't have to work quite so hard because now i'm getting what would be your glutes and your core to work Absolutely. and that's why sometimes some days it feels good and some days it feels yeah. bad and that's what you know and it's, it's kind of why it can work yeah you know, it can work for some people not for some people it can work one day and not the other and i absolutely use it as a diagnostic tool and then i do my treatment around it yeah. um and i think it is really important to think that you know that every single person is different and i think you know um i recently spoke to a client who was like you know i've googled all this stuff about pelvic girdle pain and none of it works everything makes it worse and i think like you know, like you really probably should be if you are, especially if it's bad. Like I think you should definitely have it be having a one-on-one -on -one with, a, you know, a trained professional to to assess you properly because everything will be different. And I think, you know, um, you've got to kind of do what's kind of working for you rather than. And also, if you're going to switch off a muscle, you need to make sure that there's something else there to support it because the reason why it's probably working is to cling on for dear life because something else isn't working. So normally, when you get that, you know. Um, overworking of a muscle group it's normally because something else just isn't working the way that we want it to yeah um, do you want to explain round ligament pain because you oh. mentioned that before um because i was just thinking just in case people don't understand what what that is because i had um round ligament pain mm -hmm. and it was it was it's really painful so if you if you do get it it normally feels quite deep sort of in your sort of groin crease and yeah. and and then it comes up through your abdominals so basically your as your uterus is growing and it's coming over particularly in that sort of second trimester as it's coming over the pelvis yeah you can get um it's stretching there's a ligament that's holding your uterus sort of down into your pelvis yeah. and that's having to stretch quite rapidly and you can get that kind of really deep groin pain um and and honestly it can be um, it can be really agonizing um, yeah. but things like that's when things like you know the tubi grip or, or just supporting your bum yeah. can really help to ease that tension off a little bit yeah, um, and just stretching it 
Yeah. Even like a um, massage, you can kind of almost like lie kind of and then just go deep into the groin area and I think that the other thing to say is that um, in terms of like pelvic girdle pain, there is always other things that sometimes look like uh, pelvic girdle pain, but actually is something else more medically that you need to get checked out. So, um, you know, occasionally you can get femoral stress fractures that's very unlikely um but it is a possibility you know you can get i don't want to i don't want to say something scare people because it's very unlikely yeah but my point is that there are other pathologies that can give you pain around your pelvis area of course and so that's the other reason why we say you know if you are getting it don't just sort of go oh well it it is what it is get it checked out because if you were seen by a pelvic health physio or your gp or midwife they would roll out a few things first and make sure it's none of the above and then they would go okay so it's pelvic girdle pain right now let's find out what your drivers are what your inputs are that's causing your pelvic girdle pain and then we can work out an individualized treatment program for you does that make sense? I think that's a really good point um, because it, it is really important just to rule out any kind of red flags and, you know, pain, they always talk about pain being, you know, just really normal in pregnancy, but pain isn't normal in pregnancy. It's a common thing that happens, but it's, you shouldn't have pain. And if you have it, it's a warning sign. So it's always worth getting it checked out to understand where it's coming from. I think the other thing that we haven't really touched on is um, running like in there because, um, yeah, throughout pregnancy. So at what point should people maybe uh, high impact stuff as well so you know jumping jacks and whatever whatever sport you might be doing that involves like high impact stuff when would you say that people need to kind of stop or kind of start to ease off the high impact stuff when they're pregnant again it's it's everybody is massively individual on that um but the re i think it's important to learn the reasons why it can cause you stress and problems um and then if you understand that and then you understand your own body you can we can then make an assessment as to when it's appropriate for you so the the reasons that high impact for example can cause issues later down the um, line is because your your pelvic floor muscles you're causing them say for example um Exercise. I would tend to, as a general rule, avoid like star jumps, for example, or like like you know, where your legs are separated and then loaded. Yeah. So if you're thinking about your pelvic floor, when your legs are separated, they're under a stretch, and then you're then put. You've got more load anyway because you're pregnant and you're heavier. Then you've got a sudden. Um, force coming down as you then load and jump which means that your pelvic floor muscles are then put force through whilst they're then stretched so if you are incredibly strong and you can cope with that happy days Mm. but bear in mind that that is that that's the hardest position for your pelvic floor muscles to to work in you know to be in a to be in an already stretched position then to have like a deep impact and load go through it yeah. when you're already bigger and you know the rest of it and your bladder's being squashed and mm-hmm. everything else Postural changes yeah, yeah exactly. it's, the, it's the hardest position to to stabilize and maintain mm. so it is a case of, of working with with the level that you're able to and you're able to stabilize but bear that in mind and um, because i think a lot of us find that during pregnancy towards the end stages particularly we just haven't got the same level of control and strength yeah. and if you can maintain it then fabulous yeah but what I wouldn't, like, I really, you know, even when we treat people, and I treat a lot of athletes that have um, never had babies, okay, and, you know, leaking and things like that is very common 
during pregnancy and postnatal, but it is not normal. Yeah. So if you are feeling any levels of incontinence when you cough, when you sneeze, when you jump, when you're on the trampoline with the kids, when you, you know, whatever it is, yeah. it's not, it's not normal. We need to get help. If you are sitting on the toilet, I mean, I say this within the first few days, like you've got a lot of healing going on. Mm-hmm. So, you know, give yourself a little bit of a break in those first few days. You often use a little bit of nerve supply mm-hmm. um, and control around your pelvic area. So, that those first few days give yourself that that chance to heal but but after after that you know it is a case of actually you're um you you shouldn't you shouldn't be getting these sort of symptoms um when someone's had the baby now yeah so after you know after postnatal but even during pregnancy your bladder's being squashed isn't it so you're more likely to get leaking because your blood's being squashed now in theory your pelvic floor muscles should be able to to clamp the urethra which is the tube that comes down so you still shouldn't have um leaking but if you are and you're then it means that the exercise you're doing is too hard for you I think those are the sorts of like warning signs that you want to be thinking about. Like, are you getting any pain when you're exercising? Any leaking? Any heaviness through the pelvis? Um, you know, any of those kind of symptoms? Then it's probably worth kind of just having to think about what you're doing and maybe reassessing whether it's kind of getting to the point where it's not, you know, it's not not maybe the most wise decision. Um, fine. And then, um, oh yeah, just before we move on to postnatal, just talking a bit about pelvic floor exercises. So. Um, I thought we could just kind of explain, I mean, the first thing, and you kind of touched on it already, but I think a lot of people don't really realise that the pelvic floor is actually made up of lots of different muscles. So there's like a front, a middle and a back. Um, and you've got to kind of work all through the different ranges. And also, depending on the position of the pelvis, you um, will be activating or deactivating um, different you know, parts. If you're sat back in a chair, they always say, oh, do your pelvic floor exercises when you're in the car at the traffic lights. And actually, that kind of is relaxing the, you know, the back area um the back passage area i mean you're probably more of a pro um when it comes to pelvic floors so is there anything else you want to add um yeah i often i mean the reason why we tend to get people to do it when like pelvic floor exercise exercises initially when they're laying on their back is because you take gravity out of it Mm. you sort of relax the rest of the muscles so you can really focus on what you're and you you kind of you're stabilized by the floor so you can focus on what you're doing yeah However, that is not functional. Mm. And it's not when we really, really need our pelvic floor to work. Let's be honest, we need our pelvic floor to work when we're standing, when we're lifting up our little ones, when we're coughing, when we're sneezing, when we're jumping. So um, I always sort of get people to to do it. And when I teach my classes, I'm getting people to activate their pelvic floor when they're standing, when they're sitting, when they're going through movement. And it is a functional exercise. Mm. Um, and, And... it is also about the importance of being able to work that muscle through its full range. Because what I find is, I think people have this preconceived idea that I've had a pel- I've had a baby, my pelvic floor must be really weak. And more and more people, I'm finding that it's actually, really <laughs> it's really tight. So if you get like um, this bicep analogy that I use, like if you imagine it's like your bicep, you're actually you're just up here the whole time and so you're like you're working in this range and then you think you're weak because then you jump on a trampoline or you cough or you sneeze or or whatever and you get maybe some leaking but actually perhaps it's that that you've just gone out of this range that you're really strong in you force yourself into this outer range yeah. and and all of a sudden like you know maybe you have a shopping bag or something and you're like, like if it, i like to imagine it like that 
yeah. and I'm, I'm holding it like this all the time and then all of a sudden I'm forcing it into this range and I haven't got the strength in that range and that's when woof, I let it go and I drop it and so what I tend to get people to do is the um depending on the individual and I'll be able to you know when when you get assessed by a pelvic health physio they'll be able to explain this to you and find out where you are in that spectrum yeah but what we tend to find is that actually what we need to do is is completely go through the full range so we relax the pelvic floor we work and on sort of opening and then the re-engaging and drawing back up and we work through the control of letting go as well so again that that shopping bag analogy you've got to be able to to slow and control it down rather than force it down yeah. and and sometimes we focus a lot and you know when you're saying you're doing your pelvic floor exercise you're like yeah and your eyebrows are going and you're focusing a lot about the concentric range so the drawing up but then we don't necessarily focus on the slow control release down and being able to control it down and that is often where the, the sort of failure happens is that yeah. we can't control it down and we let it go too quick and boom so you know it it's pelvic floor exercises is it's not just about squeeze squeeze it's about squeeze and relax and i use you know when you speak to pelvic health physios there's lots of different analogies that they use and when i'm talking to somebody i'll really work out what the cue is that they respond to so it may be that they like to feel like imagine a flower opening and then closing <laughs> i mean i don't know i Love personally it. i personally like the elevator i like the elevator as well yeah and, and really like imagining the different levels and then playing around with the levels so go to level yeah. five then go to three then go to seven then go to one yeah. and really getting that control and um, when you get there's different cues that work for different people but I tend to find that the one that works the most for a lot of my clients is sort of the squeeze and lift of the back passage. Yeah. Again, the sphincter to work around. Um, it tends to be, you know, often in those early stages postnatal, you can really lose that some of that control, which is one of the reasons why we get a bit more flatulence, ladies. You know, we tend to, after that, like, oh my God, I just have no control of it. And it's completely normal post-labor, if you, if you, particularly if you've had a vaginal birth. You know, everything's had to stretch and stuff. But it generally does come back and, and it's that kind of squeeze and, and relax. And so there's different cues for different people, but it is making sure that you are working through the range, engaging and controlling and relaxing. Exactly. And if you're not sure, well, again, just go and see somebody and they can help you talk you through it. They can assess you and check it's working properly. Brilliant. Okay, well, let's go on to postnatal. So you've just had your wonderful little baby and you're um, in seventh heaven, stroke, sleepless nights, stroke, <laughs> feeling rather battered by it all. But um, when, at what point can you start doing exercise and, and you know, should you just not do anything for a little bit? Like, what's your thoughts on recovery? So, oh, sorry, I started to started to digress earlier, didn't I? No, 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 it was good, it was good. Fine. I was like trying to bring you back. <laughs> <laughs> sure there's no infections make sure you um, in terms of your mental health and your physical health generally 
you are well. But in terms of your rehab and your recovery, that is just literally the start of your journey. So everybody is different. But if we're going to say as a general rule, during those first to six weeks, you, I, I actually spoke to somebody only yesterday on um, online call and they were like, I feel really good. I feel really strong. I want to do something. I, I am worried I'm going to make myself worse, but you know, I feel really good. Um, can I, what can I do? I'm already walking. I think she, her little one was a couple of weeks old. You know, She's already walking lots every day with the dog, yeah. 45 minutes. And I just said to her, look, you know, when, you, when you've had your baby, and you, you, if you do look at your placenta, they often give you the opportunity to have a look at it if you want to. Just visualise the size. <laughs> I, know, I, I was really, I was really fascinated. I was like, yes, I want to see it. Like, but they do sort of like, you know, just imagine the size of that placenta. Now that you know, and the baby, that is a wound, mm-hmm. an internal wound that is healing. You might feel and look great on the outside. You know, and you might you feel like know. it's literally like that big. It's the size of like a massive dinner plate. Yeah, it's huge. <laughs> and so, when in those early stages, that has you know, your internal. You imagine that like a scab on the outside. That's yeah. going to take some hell of a time to heal, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So internally, that healing is going on. Mm. So we've really got to give your allow yourself a time even when you think I feel good I feel good I want to do stuff and, and oh my god the adrenaline like you know the endorphins the happy that I had it all and I had it all as well and I'm like no I feel good I feel good and I was like for me and I'm embarrassed to say it because I should have known better but I thought do you know what I'm I'm, I'm doing all the right things I'm not started running yet because I'm not strong enough, but so I'm walking. So I'm doing all the right things. Yeah. But it's about moderation. Yeah. You know, because it was nice weather, because I could walk, because I had a dog, I was walking every day, like, yeah. and for too long. Yeah, yeah. For too yeah. long. And your endurance won't necessarily be there as well. You need so, to recover. Like, they, I mean, they say you should also be having, like, actual supine like flat rest to really allow everything to just come back together to allow the muscles to kind of you know they've been in these really stretched positions your pelvic floor just like a hammock has been really stretched stomach was had all that tension giving you that support is just suddenly all gone and deflated and you know you in your body you've gone through however many days of labor as well or a c-section or you know or even like a couple of hours whatever it's still a huge you know event that you've been through and you've now got this new baby it's massive like it's life-changing as every knows but um and then i think also um uh yeah the bleeding thing is a really big thing so uh, uh, you know when you've had a baby you bleed for a few weeks sometimes you know and i think a lot of people don't realize that and you need to be definitely have stopped bleeding before you start to exercise and also i'd like also similar to you uh, went to a uh, circuits class a month after having had my first and, <laughs> yeah, I and it was so dangerous like I act it's just ridiculous um they were like doing kettlebell swings and all sorts I was like oh my god um but um yeah they it, straight after doing it I um started bleeding again and I was like I pushed myself too hard so it's just kind of being a little bit of aware, aware of all that sort of stuff and I think um the well yes yeah, so we've got like the rest the bleeding and then obviously just when you feel ready for walking is a really good starting point but obviously again just taking it slowly and um, the one thing i think that you could probably well you can definitely start with straight away is your pelvic floor exercises so they say you can do it still on your on the, on the labor ward or even postnatal ward um obviously unless you've got a catheter in um but what you'll find is that you probably can't do anything <laughs> so like you said you'll be like 
oh my god like where has it gone and it's just getting those muscles just to reconnect again and that should be enough just to you know um get things going i'm kind of conscious of time we've literally got about 10 minutes left and i feel like we can literally talk forever um but i just wanted to also talk quickly talk about um diastasis so normally um your diastasis so diastasis is a separation between the midline of the stomach muscles um it happens to pretty much most every woman uh, at the end stage of pregnancy so 60 to 100 percent um and it's a normal thing that is normal to happen to allow for the space of the baby um when you're pregnant you should be protecting that little bit by not doing things like lifting both legs up off the floor planking um I don't know, like anything that's got your arms up over your head that's going to be kind of stretching that midline. Um, but then postnatally, normally that comes back together around um, after about eight weeks. Um, and it is worth, again, having that checked before you go into starting to do any kind of exercise. So again, postnatally, you should be working with, um, ideally, somebody who is trained as a postnatal specialist. Would you agree? Yeah, definitely. So, um you know, it, it's, it's about trying to reduce the intra-abdominal pressure. So you don't want to be doing an exercise where you're increasing your intra-abdominal pressure, which means that you're causing doming or like pressure to push yeah. out. This is what we teach a lot with postnatal control is about, well, any control really, to be honest, with the doming of your, your tummy. But particularly if you've got a transverse, uh, sorry, a, a diastasis recti, so you want to engage your core so that you're drawing it in and up rather than... Um, creating pressure to push out so it's not bracing it's drawing in and up and so that's the other reason we suggest that you know not traditional setups is because that then your abdominal muscles are kind of like contracting relax contract relax and as they do that then they're potentially getting shorter but pulling away from the midline mm -hmm. and then relaxing so instead we you know a postnatal specialist would teach you isometric contractions of your abdominals first where you are drawing them correctly you're activating them correctly and then you're still strengthening them you're still going to feel that you're talking about when you're not moving you're just kind of holding that um contraction still so uh, like a closed pack position so you just act like it uh, even just like a strong uh exhalation is uh, well, yeah yeah but, you know nothing to be moving around them. And yeah. there's, there's breathing techniques that you can do as well, like, you know, hyperpressive breathing yeah. as well to try mm. to engage it in and up. And, and you know, so, sorry, go. So, so I think that postnatally, like, um, if you are worried about a tummy gap, then a postnatal physiotherapy assessment will assess that as well. Um, and that will be something that um, is, is then worked on for you. But it's not just about how wide the gap is. Yeah. It's about how, how much integrity the tissues have got. So, you know, it's also about, you know, how deep, how deep it is as well so i often describe the um diastasis recti in times of the linear album which is the tissue that goes down the middle almost like a zip on your on your on your top um and you're thinking about it being like um the elastic band so it stretches and then comes back and some people's collagen and then their tissue makeup means that it does sort of their elastic bands goes like back yeah. a lot better and other people's elastic bands kind of stretches and then almost goes like you know elastic band would go yellow and kind of then be a bit more yeah uh, like a plastic bag that you pull to touch yeah you you've, over, yeah. you've overstretched, overstretched it and, yeah. and it kind of then it takes that little bit more to, to sort of strengthen to build back in again and, and again it's about it's not just about exercise it's about diet it's about nutrition and, and protecting it you know it's exercise protecting it nutrition like rest recovery like 
it's everything. Yeah, I was going to say about what you said about rest and lying flat as well, because even if you're not sleeping, sometimes by actually lying and resting, you're allowing your organs the time to rest to recover. Mm. And and so I think that you know when you've when you've had surgery and um, post op and things like that, and uh, like a C section or otherwise, just by like you do want to get up and moving because that's mm. obviously got like benefits as well but actually just giving yourself a little bit more time than you think to to lie down and rest and I think that often second time mums are worse at this than first time because they they are running around after a toddler as well and they feel guilty because that you know when their little ones asleep their babies are asleep they feel like they've got to keep up with you know and make sure they're playing with the toddler or do the housework or whatever it is but actually you know those things can wait and it's really important for you to to give yourself that horizontal rest like you said as well yeah. not to say we can't do anything we absolutely yeah. can but... do you know what we didn't we haven't actually talked about c-sections as well and i think like um the return to exercise is much more different when you have had a c-section so i've had both i've had a natural birth and a c-section um and for both i tried as hard as i could to get back to doing everything as quickly as possible and i tried everything with the c-section and learned very quickly that i literally couldn't do anything for a very long time even just having a shower was pretty hard work at the beginning so i think um you know you ideally we advise three months but i think you know you need to you can start again with your breathing and some very very gentle like um you know postural work and things like that but i think again you should be guided by you know um a um you know a trained professional physiotherapist or pilates um or you know you know even a personal trainer not even but you know or a personal trainer um you know who really knows what they're talking about um just to kind of guide you through it um in those early days and then finally, the last thing I want to talk about before we go is um, running. So returning back to running, because this is a question I always get asked. Um, I mean, like from the guidelines, there's a really good paper that came out, I think it was two years ago now, by Tom Goom, who's like the running physio guru um, and the women's health uh, physio as well. And it's a really extensive like um, analysis of all the research. And it it's actually really good for um, mums as well as uh professionals because it kind of breaks it down into like layman's terms as well but like, they basically say like uh, ideally not before three months um and then um you if you've got hypermobility or the back pain or any kind of pelvic girdle pain or prolapse or incontinence or um, any other things that you should be worried about just go and get some you know get it get checked out before you do it and then it might be that you need to do some kind of targeted rehab before you get back to running do you have anything else to add to that no, I think that's, that's it. It, it. I get asked that all the time as well, and I wish I could just say, "Oh yeah, six weeks done," you know. Yeah. But it's so individual. It's so individual, and and sometimes you will find that it, it that it varies from person to person, but it also varies from that person as well. So literally through various times in your cycle yeah. you may find that there's there's weeks that you're okay and then there's weeks that actually you're more prone to just listen issues. to your body <laughs> yeah and i think that you're you know once you realize that from your menstruation cycle as well yeah. you may find that you know when you're in estrogen is, is lower at certain periods of your cycle you're more vulnerable and that might be that you then go okay i'm gonna avoid those times to run so it's it, again it, it's really there's no yeah there's no 
there's no set rule there's no one answer to give it is it is a multifactual um issue um and it's it's not to say that you've had a baby you can never run again oh my god absolutely you can but we've got to do it logically with that individual and based on on their their needs Amazing. God, I feel like we've just gone through like a whistle-stop tour of like... Oh, there's so... It's such a huge topic and there's so much. I mean, we could probably talk about, you know, diastasis recti as a one topic. So there's so many topics. (laughs) Yeah, I hope that that everyone found that useful. But if you've got any questions, please feel free to to message us. And if there's something that we didn't cover that you want us to cover another time, like, if you have me again, I'll happily chat away. We'd love (laughs) to have you back. Thank you so much. You've been a wonderful... Um, addition to Tinto and just amazing knowledge to share so thank you so much it's been amazing oh look Maddie's uh, saying thank you so interesting oh and Jules yay (laughs) yeah we're going to try and post the video I'm going to just try and work out how to um save it and post it um hi Becky hi George um and yes um if anybody has any tips quickly about how to save it and uh post it that'd be really helpful <laughs> yeah fingers crossed this is the first one we've done so hopefully it will save and, and then you guys can watch it back if you missed anything um and if not we'll just have to do another one <laughs> yeah just have to do it again actually amazing all right wonderful thanks so much Michelle you go and have that glass of wine okay <laughs> okay <laughs> thanks, thank you so much honestly